Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. So, uh, for joining us for uh, an episode here as part of the SOC Analyst Appreciation Day, uh, Marco and I, uh, this is Sean Martin, by the way, you're very welcome to join us. And uh, Marco and I were thrilled to be invited back to the second annual uh, event. Uh, clearly, the first year was was a success, and uh, we believe in this uh, this venture and everything that it uh, does for the analyst, recognizing all the hard work that they do. And uh, the the role is changing, and the environments are changing, and we want to talk about that today. So we're going to look at it through the lens of of the hybrid sock, where how everything has changed uh, from a business perspective that impacts the analyst and the work that they do inside and outside the organization's uh, perimeter. So, um, Marco, anything to to add before we do a quick round of introduction? Oh, once again, I'm really, really happy to be back. Again, it means that we did something good uh, last year. I'm so, again, glad to be part of this. And I think it's a different conversation, the one that we're having this year compared with the one we had last year. And it's it's a scenario that is constantly changing. You know, I remember when we were saying uh, the prem and then everything in the cloud. Now we're talking hybrid. So we need to figure out where are we standing with this and how the role is uh, of the SOC analyst is getting affected by it. Exactly. Exactly. We have a, a good mix of folks uh, inside and outside the org, uh, managing and advising and consulting and doing and all of the above and everything beyond that as well. Uh, I'm going to quickly do a round, uh, a few word, few quick words from each of you on your role in the SOC, uh, and then we'll get into it. Yolanda Craig, it's great to have you back on. You've been on the show before. We talked about CMMC before, but uh, today we're looking looking at the SOC. Uh, tell the folks who, uh, who Yolanda is. Hello. It, I'm glad to be back. Um, thank you for welcoming me back. Um, I spent 21 years in the federal government and I ran two SOCs um, during that time and it was a great time for me. And now I work in research and development. So how do we use AI? How do we use machine learning to t- tackle the problems that we have with the shrinking workforce and technology just moving at you know rocket speed? So it's, it's fun. Thank you for bringing me back. It's glad to have you back. And uh, Leanne carries on with us as well. Leanne, a few words about your role. Yeah. Hey, uh, Leanne Carey. Um, <clears throat> currently, what I am responsible for today is uh, at Optic running our Advanced Fusion Center practice, which is um, by definition a very hybrid SOC. So 
uh, close to 20 years in the industry, um, been with Opted for four years, and prior to that, Big Four, as well as healthcare. So glad to be here. And Sunday Ogunlana, thanks for uh, joining us. Hey, thank you very much for uh, extending this invitation to me as well. Uh, currently, I work within the uh, threat management team of one of the biggest uh, financial industry um, globally. And I sit right in the security operations center, managing incident from the beginning to the end. And not only that, um, overseeing the process, people, and all the three domains of the um, related to cybersecurity. So I'm glad to be here with you. Nice. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, JJ Davies on with us. Uh, JJ, how's it going? Thank you for having me on. It's uh, brilliant to be here. So I'm a security operations lead at Broadwell. I focus on SOC optimization, security operations architecture, and instant response. All right. So, Marco, I think we have a, a good conversation ahead of us. Again, I want to focus on uh, the well, the, the analyst role, so that we can we can broaden this out to a lot of different things. But I want to look at the role specifically. Um, I kind of touched on a little bit. Things have changed a lot uh, on prem to the cloud, uh, from on device endpoint detection prevention to XDR, where everything is in the cloud managed there as well. And it, it's not just about the technology has changed, uh, but the operations have changed, and then therefore the role has changed. And where you may have run some things inside or perhaps outsourced everything, things are coming together. And even that that collaboration in the hybrid world means the role has changed inside and outside. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off actually with you, Yolanda. Um, a view from you, given your years of experience of how things have come to fruition in the hybrid SOC. Um, what do you think some of the biggest changes are that impact the, the analyst role to date? So I think you captured a lot of things have changed. And so um, with technology changes and there's so many different platforms, um, the analyst has to learn a whole lot more than they've learned in the past. And with the shrinking workforce, that's getting harder and harder. And so that's why I was very excited that you're going to have this topic about like how are we um, facing these challenges with AI. And I think AI is going to help a lot because there are so many different dynamics. In the past, you know, analysts had a million different screens. You know, it was very common for an analyst to have 20, 25, 30 different screens of different tools going on. And it was it was overwhelming. And so then you have different platforms that you're adding on to this problem and a shrinking workforce. So it is a lot is changing. And we need to change with our technologies to be able to support the analysts a lot better. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because when Sean and I were thinking, where are we going to go with this? Of course, Sean is going to go all operational. And, and I'm like, we need to pull back a little bit here because this is about the role. And one of the questions was, how, what is a change into the way that people need to prepare for this hybrid environment? I mean, are you training for be on one side, on another side, or it's right in the middle? So I don't know who wants to take this. Maybe Leanne who want to start that. So when training for a hybrid SOC, as your question, um, quite honestly, it's, it, I have a different approach on the hybrid model in general. Um, not only are we kind of traditionally asking analysts to 
you know, focus on their particular skill sets, you know, whether it's, you know, monitoring a particular environment or following processes, knowing the technology and so forth. But I think in today it is is changing more because we're also asking them to take on some of the identity of the businesses, the clients that which they're they're monitoring. Um, from my point of view, um, from where you know, kind of I spend a lot of my workforce or my hours, is when we're looking at different clients across the board, and um, you know, our analysts are being asked to go deep into a particular industry um, specific to that business or another one over here. Um, I think that is that is kind of that's that's ultimately what's kind of making this a little bit more complex and, and changing. So, um, and businesses change you know, their processes internally, and we're kind of taking that on as well. So to me, that's a lot of that. And Sunday, maybe the uh, same question to you, your, your thoughts on this. Yeah, thank you. Um, and um, the threat landscape is changing. Yolanda talked about technology, uh, but probably today we're looking for analytical mind those who will be able to think outside the box in time in, in terms of those um analysts i mean it is not easy task for an for analysts for manager because machine must run i mean seven days a week 24 hours in the day and the stress is always there and things are changing the kind of attack we get today is different from what we used to see um, the adversary are not actually targeting machine again. They are not targeting technology today because the kind of technology we have today is very difficult to break. Rather, they are coming in a different form that will require another skill set entirely, analytical thinking for the analyst to be able to identify those threats and respond, I mean, immediately. Of course, like Yolanda said, technology aspect of it is very important, but notwithstanding, having been able the uh having the kind of people who will be able to um uh think outside the boss and being able to identify the threat, uh respond and escalate immediately, have the process in place and known the right person to be able to escalate all those problems into, I mean it's very, very important. And that's where I see it. I mean from people and uh, procedure, uh, and that's the way the kind of uh, uh, SOC analysis um, of today, the kind of skill set, which of course we are looking for, being able to establish a uh, proper number of um, staff with kind of required skill that will be able to do that is key. I mean, as uh, related to what we see today. In the last two years, we've seen different kind of ransomware attack. And this kind of ransomware attack, they are not coming as a result of the fact that the technology are failing. What they do is to compromise people first. So that goes back to the issue of people and process, not, I mean, issue of technology. That's where I see it. And that's kind of uh, the um, issue with the uh, modern day analysts and managers. Yeah, absolutely. It starts with the people and then uh, the way they do their work. And hopefully the technology will help and from a tool perspective. Uh, but JJ, it leads me to this question of are the lines drawn clear enough for the different roles as an analyst sits inside the company and as analysts sit outside in, in a service provider that's helping out and another is there a role in the middle <laughs> that straddles both is it a an msp mssp provided resource inside i don't know what that looks like but are the roles defined clear enough so that the analysts know where they start where they stop and what they're responsible for? 
So that's actually my responsibility in the role that I do is I help uh, integrate the MSSP with a third party client. And one of the big focus points is process integration, looking at their change control, looking at their instant response plans, looking at their playbooks, formulating these into a joint process where we're integrating with their team. We're not a service provider, we're an addition to their team. And that's what we need to focus on. And it's also a case of tabletop in these new instant response plans making sure that they actually work so when the time does come they are current and we know what to do we know we have the communication plans we have the people of influence that we need to talk to so we can fully engage with a fully instant response plan that's integrated with that business so there needs to be a clear cut line in the sand of who has the authority to act and what do they have the authority to do when the time does come and leanne take taking taking it from there um, I mean, we looked at, we've talked about this in many different ways, but uh, is it possible to just take a, a set of operation and guidelines and say, I want to make this or transform this into some hybrid SOC model or do the plans and processes and playbooks as JJ described, do they need to change to adapt? And if so, how? Well, it, I think they do need to change a little bit. Um, I, I think a hybrid model it's kind of like a stress test. It forces both parties to to really look and continuously evolve what's there. Um, processes, procedures, everything, you know, policy that's going to change over the course of the business's, you know, growth or even a SOC. Um, I think what it does is just it kind of, it's, it's a check and balance. Uh, for me, I think the only way for a true hybrid to work, a uh, hybrid SOC to work is if it's real partnership. Um, not just one party delivering, you know, just a certain set of, you know, functions and following certain processes, but it's that back and forth collaboration and communication um, and bouncing back of ideas and, and really stress testing the existing policy and procedures that exist in the environment. So I think it, it, it depends. It depends on the business and the client for which you have the hybrid SOC in and how mature they are. So it sounds like it comes back again. Uh, nothing new there to the people, right? Right. Uh, Sunday talk about the fact that you need to to start about talking about the role with the people that do this. And so I want to go to Yolanda actually. With uh, is there a different approach when you hire uh, the new people to come into this? hybrid world and i don't know i feel like i'm talking about the metaverse sometimes it's like this hybrid world but uh, i think i think you know let, let's talk about these people that doesn't make a difference so the people make a huge difference in your success right so you're you're always going to be overburdened with a million alerts right and so you want to have people that come in there that can do critical thinking skills you know like go in there ask questions start to find patterns um try to investigate things especially if you have quote unquote downtime like how are you going to find the next solar winds right you cannot be very passive in that and so you need to have people who are critical thinkers to be able to do that and give them some space to be able to dive into things and 
with policies, when I, I, I'm glad that you, you guys brought that up, with policies, sometimes we restrict ourselves on what we can do and what we can find because we're just trying to check these blocks and move on to the next thing because we're overwhelmed. But we need, a, we need people to be able to challenge some of the policies and use the critical thinking skills to move forth. Um, if we don't, because the actors out there are more creative and faster than us, then we'll be, always be behind. Sunday, I know we, we want to touch on AI as part of this as well. And and you mentioned the technology isn't going to save the day. And I'm so I'm wondering where does technology like AI sitting perhaps within an MSSP that's helping to support an internal SOC take the take some burden away, perhaps, but also where might it add some challenges for the analysts that they didn't have before. Uh, do, do they need to learn new things or look at things in a different way or manage their processes differently? Uh, any insights on that? Yeah, uh, uh, th thank you. Um, if you look at some of the SIM tool we use today, the what makes some of them to stand out is ability to be able to use AI and machine learning to be able to do what we do manually in the past. And what we've seen in that is that they are able to do the, the application of AI and ML has been able to um, uh, help to identify uh, threat faster and also respond I mean, immediately. Take, for instance, Splunk Phantom. So, and most of the HP I mean, tools, which of course we have today, most of the big um, uh, uh, organization, but notwithstanding, you cannot take people's role out of that. I mean, whatever kind of model of uh, security operations center you are running, whether global, whether dedicated, co-manage or um, hybrid we're talking about, with the kind of tools we have today, you cannot take the input of people from all those things, I mean, from in, uh, outside that. Why is that you understand the trail landscape, you know your business, you know what we are going to, what we are looking for, and being able to put all those things there, training your system to be able to find all those threads. I mean, it's going to be uh, the work of people, who are, uh, the analysts in the security operations center. Not only that, being able to do, uh, right, I know some of the tools we have today do escalation to the right places and uh, notwithstanding, but the final decision, like Yolanda uh, mentioned, uh, we need analysts, which of course are imbued with critical thinking, analytical skill, to be able to do the final touch and being able to escalate that and manage it from A to Z, I mean, it's very important. You cannot take, I mean, the input of people out of that. Yes. Um, there's a need for analysts of today uh, to be able to learn new things, how those new tools work, uh, how they, um, you know, how is they integrated, how they need to be tuned in accordance to the needs of the organization is very important. And I mean, it is, it's part of, uh, uh, it's a concern and not in any way, it's not a concern because anyone could be trained on tools, but the key thing is to be able to understand the business mission and what we are looking for within the organization and have a process, you know, which of course is going to guide analysts, I mean, in using all those tools. And I was hoping and thinking that we were just going to fill up the gap with just machines. And uh, I guess we're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a point. Yeah. I, I, I'm just being sarcastic. Leanne, yeah, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I do want to add to that because, you know, everything that was just stated is true, right? Um, but we tend to forget that, you know, as in SOX, how we use AI, it, it really is to kind of, you know, accelerate finding things, being able to, you know, look for that needle in a haystack, 
uh, be able to, you know, focus on things that um, require more of human intervention. But just as we're looking at that, the bad guys are using AI. So it's even more of a reason why AI is critical. Um, AI 10 years ago or five years ago, you know, just the, the, the concept of, you know, let's invest in a tool to provide, you know, to introduce analytics and machine learning. And, you know, I, I had multiple conversations with clients over the years explaining the need for it and, you know, why it enables a SOC and, and so forth. Now we're to the point is it's mandatory. You must have it because the bad guys are using the same technology. So in order to keep up with that, you're going to have to have similar technology. So it is more that today, I think, than just finding that, um, finding the needle in the haystack, right? And, and assisting analysts, it is necessary in order for us to, you know, socks in general to do what we're being asked to do. Yeah. JJ, you want to jump on this? And yeah, so Sorry, so looking at this at an architecture perspective, so we're taking a step back, we should look at the SOC as a factory. We have the inventory, we have the processes that develop a product being alerts and incidents. So if you look at a factory, they implement machines to keep up with market demand. So the market demand for a SOC is the incidents and alerts. So AI is that, fact, is that factory machine that we put in place to develop the the capacity that we need to um, turn into market demand uh, into the products. But there needs to be human intervention. These machines break, these machines need tuning. Um, they can cause pain. I've been in um, many deployments where machine learning has been the holy grail. And once it's been put in, um, all of a sudden 500, 1,000 alerts have suddenly flooded the um, ITSM tools and we're there just closing all these alerts down and going, right, let's turn it off. Let's understand what actually went wrong. And it's caused a lot of pain. Um, so there needs to be processes around this technology. And it goes back to the old triage that people processes technology. If we have this technology in place, but we don't have the processes, we're going to lose the people through burnout. So we need to make sure that we're implementing this technology in a way that actually fits the business. We're not just throwing it in and just saying, yep, yeah, go do the work. We're actually training it to fit the business. It's not a shoe. You know, we need to be able to take the size of the foot, we need to make sure that it, the shoe actually fits. And that, that shoe is that AI technology. And uh, if it's only one shoe, we're kind of hopping around, right? So we need, we need both shoes. I don't know where I'm going with that. But <laughs> I guess the, the, the point is you, you can run a sock. Maybe this is the point. You can run a sock, but if it doesn't support the business. It doesn't really matter. That's the other shoe in my mind. Um, and what we're talking about here in the hybrid sock is, is the the decision to make around build buy or partner right and and underneath that are the the people doing the work um do we do we do this stuff in-house and do we staff our team and and support them and train them and keep them going or are there are there things that are just better suited to be managed externally because they have a broad view across multiple companies or they have access to deeper uh, threat intelligence or they have I don't know, different sets of technologies with, driven by AI that do certain things. Um, how, and I, I want everybody to kind of chime in on this. I'll start with you, uh, Leanne, actually. Uh, how do you see organizations coming to grips with that decision, build by partner, and maybe look at it from they have a SOC in place and they're moving to, to hybrid or they want to start from scratch and, and start off with hybrid? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so... <clears throat> 
and I, I have this conversation a lot. Uh, it, and I will say, if you can find the people and you can retain them, you know, and train them, retain them, and and there is, you know, that spin there to really build it out. I mean, that would be fantastic. Um, but the reality is, is there's a shortage in resources, right? Um, the pros to having a hybrid sock really is you're getting the, the resources and the skill set there, meeting halfway with your team on site that has the business knowledge of that environment. And that is critical um, in addition to normal sock processes and, you know, analyzing alerts. Having that internal travel knowledge is absolutely critical. So you don't lose that in a hybrid. You get the best of both worlds. Um, I do think completely outsourcing the SOC, um, there are challenges there and you do lose some of that as opposed to building it internally. You know, it's fantastic in a perfect, perfect world to do it. Um, but the reality is, is there's not enough people, um, not enough resources today in order for every company to pursue that. Um, and it's extremely expensive and being able to keep up and, and, you know, keep your, keep the resources trained and, um, retained and, you know, in place, uh, for, you know, X years is just really, really hard to do. So I, I really see hybrid socks being the sock of the future, um, for, you know, larger type organizations. Uh, anybody else wants to uh, get on this? Maybe Sunday and Yolanda. Yeah, I, I agree with Leanne. Um, there, there is a balance, and I think a lot of balance has to do with money. Um, it's expensive for in-house. Um, when I was in the government, we had in-house socks, and it was expensive. You know, my team was about 30 people, 12-hour shifts, five different rotations. It was very, very expensive, and that's not even like the technology and the tools. That was just the people. And to, to outsource it to... Um, someone who doesn't know your 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 business or your critical points or your care abouts they make decisions that expensive decisions that you probably want to have made if you had some people inside so i think there's a balance in between um with and i do see hybrids as the future and it is a the the other problem i see is trust right that we're going to have to develop trust with what tools and what um, technology we use to supplement our workforce. Um, as you, um, you heard JJ say, like he, he had some AI and it, it, it proved out not to always be great in, in a lot of the work. And so we have to put a lot more requirements on who is developing our AI, right? And is it really truly helping our business? So I, I, hybrids are the future. It has to be because um, it's just expensive. And Sunday, well, I want you to jump in, but I, I don't know if you can share this. I don't know how your organization looks, but is there is there a hybrid hybrid <laughs> where, yeah. where perhaps you you have a shared service within an organization that provides the SOC services, but then that SOC service leverages external services? <laughs> is that a hybrid? Yeah. I don't know what that's called, but yeah. uh, how, how does that uh, look? Thank you very much. Uh, first, let me corroborate what my colleagues um, just uh, said here that um, hybrid SOC is an idea that has come to stay. I mean, for today and future as well. If you look at the challenges we face, face today, first, budget constraint for most organizations may not be able to hire the best. Apart from the fact that there's a problem of, uh, of headshot, 
I mean, having competent, those who have the knowledge, those who are trained properly to be able to tackle uh, those problems, which, of course, the problem of today, they are, we have them, I mean, fewer in number. And that makes most of organizations to be doing cash-up. And IBRISOC may provide answer, I mean, to that, because it's going to um, provide more visibility and being able to get cyber intelligence to be able to deal with some of the threats, which, of course, we see today. But like Yolanda mentioned, Part of the problem is vendor management and trust, you know, but it depends on the organization to know what they are going to keep with them or what they are going to outsource out. In a big organization, which, of course, without being specific that I uh, work for and with my experience from um, sharing um, platform with people uh, like uh, who I have here today, um, a lot of uh, SOC today, they outsourcing to using MSSP, um, in certain area, maybe for the intelligence, cyber intelligence part of it, um, for response. And I could remember during the COVID, I was in a conference and I, recof- I discovered that uh, one organization, one of the big organizations, after they started the hybrid SOC, they noticed that uh, the time for response you know, is very high. It used to be 15 minutes when they were doing in- in-house to respond to a threat. But by the time they uh, move to Abrisog, within five minutes, they have quick response, I mean, which means that, I mean, in terms of value, they are able to get value uh, out of that. And that's the same report from different organizations. But it depends on what we, are, I mean, what we are dealing with. It depends on what you want to keep inside, uh, um, uh, inside and what you want to give out. And the key thing is that with MSSP, with using Abrisog, is going to reduce this kind of burnout, which, of course, SOC analysts are facing constantly, every day, which, of course, we see, because see, that one in, on its own is a risk. So um, that, uh, answering your question without being specific, yes, big organizations like where I belong also uh, do that, um, engage in hybrid stock and in different areas, so to be able to uh, add, to be able to have overall big visibility, you know, large visibility of the threat, which, of course, we face within the organization. And like what Lynn said the other time, yes, the adversary are using AI, Depending on what we are doing, we are in an era of computational propaganda where we see nation state using AI to be able to spread false propaganda, lies and everything, using that one to be able to spread social engineering where um, um, uh, on train, employee click on that. And at times we do cash up in security operations center. So how they use it and how we use it yeah, is what, what makes it different. And that's why the training of right people getting the right um, uh, skills set is very, very important. Yeah, and JJ, uh, maybe. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to say, yeah, I'd, I'd like JJ's perspective on this before we move to kind of the next next big point. And maybe, JJ, your your perspective on this from, again, the business angle, uh, but measurement. How, how does, how does a, a business know that they're achieving the outcome with the hybrid stock that they really want? It, the scale of threats is expanding, and, and we're asked to, to do our M- the, the MTTX, right? Faster than ever. Uh, how, how does a company know they're, they're succeeding? So we need to strip it back down to security basics. The, the, the fundamental existence of a security operations center is risk. And an organization wants to manage risk. And the, the, whole, the whole function behind security is to maintain security risks to an appropriate level. So we need to look at well, what is the risk capacity of the organization? How, how much are they willing to lose in order to the pursuit that pursue their goals? Then we need to look at, okay, well, what is the threat to that organization? 
So we need to look at how much risk in terms of monetary value are they potentially subjected to without having a security operations center in place. Once we have that figure, we can say, right, actually, it is a worthwhile investment to have a hybrid SOC, or maybe we can bring in people in internally and build our own security operations center, and it should be driven by that return on security investment. Now, a, a business really needs to make a, a sound decision to understand how much it's going to cost from a operational expenditure to maintain that security operations center over a period of time. It's not a, a one-time purchase. You're going to have people come, you're going to have people leave, you know, technology is going to change, process is going to change, the cost is going to go up or down, depending on the environment. Um, I think we need to pay respect a lot more to the risk management function of the business in terms of how much they have to spend on this endeavor. Well, a lot to think about, but what I'm actually thinking about right now is the main reason why we have this day, which is to talk about the role of the analyst and to be sure that they're not overworked, they're not underappreciated, and we don't lose them when we need them the most. So, Regardless of where they sit. <laughs> exactly. Regardless of the machines that are helping, not helping, I, it, it sounds like a lot of change, but nothing really is changing. Is it, Am I being negative here? I like a round here of your perspective on where are we standing with the analyst role? Is it getting better with this new technology or there's still a lot of road to, to travel here? Let's start with Yolanda and then we go around. So I think it comes down to where the analyst is and their management support. Um, there are places I think are getting better. Um, the environment's getting better. And so what do I mean by getting better? I feel like the analysts, when they feel they're making a contribution and not just acting like a machine, that is getting better. And so there are some places that they can actually use their brain and to actually investigate and actually feel they're making a difference. And those environments, I think, is getting better. Um, in places where, you know, management, just a, they have a sock and they just check the box, they have a sock and they don't know what's going on. Those analysts are still overworked and um, they have tools and it's just more tools and more metrics and more data. And I don't think it's getting better in that. So that's just my perception. Um, I did sock life for uh, probably five years total. Um, only one person that works for me is still doing sock life. And it's, it's, it's a huge toll on, on you as a person on your body, um, on your health and all of those things. Leanne or whoever. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I think everything Yolanda said was spot on. Um, the one thing I would add, when, when we say it depends on kind of where you are, what or company you're working for or organization, I think how we need to go about approaching kind of the career path of a SOC analyst needs to evolve and change, right? Um, simply just staring at a computer screen and following a process and working, you know, a 10-hour shift and just constant, you know, alerts coming at you that's one thing. But if we were, we were to look at it a little bit differently and think about 
you know, how you would advance and build a well-rounded stock analyst and move them through different pod structures to focus on certain areas to become very proficient in, you know, DDoS, very proficient in malware. And you you work that around so that the A, their interest is um, constantly being, you know, challenged. They're learning new things, you know, their their landscape changes, but still within you know, the, the operations, uh, function, right. Um, I, I think it's how we address their career pathing, how we're looking at training stock analysts and giving them those opportunities. That's what's going to make a difference. But I think, you know, Yolanda is absolutely correct. It is, you know, it, it's fatiguing, you know, where are you out looking at a screen with several thousands of alerts and tickets and same old rinse and repeat. So I think when you look at the other side, JJ, what do you think? I think the the answer lies within SOC maturity. I think organizations that have a security operations center do need to focus on maturity. And part of maturity is people maturity. Looking at building a skills matrix that clearly defines what skills they need at different levels. Making a organizational chart which clearly shows route for progression that will motivate analysts. So they need to say, right, if you want to go to maybe a level two analyst and you're currently level one, refer to the skills matrix of what you need to learn and we'll give you that opportunity later down the line once you meet certain amount of standard and you've, you've shown us that you have that knowledge. But they also need a way to measure analyst performance and do quality assurance because there's also that element of doing the bare minimum where analysts will just be there to exist. They've burnt out. They, they don't want to now contribute so we need to have that quality assurance and that's going to give us warning signs or signals that something may be going wrong we also need to introduce a lot of feedback as well a lot of management feedback so management need to have open conversations with their analysts to ask them how they're doing if anything could be better what could be improved because analysts are on the front line management aren't going to be able to see the problems that the analysts have if they don't have that ability to communicate the problems to management so we need to have that open line of communication and processes need to be absolutely sound and they need to be matured as well. Going back to burnout, if you're not having you don't have a good tuning process that analysts can feed into, you're going to have serious problems with talent retention. And and Sunday, I, I presume there are a few folks on uh, on your teams <laughs> where this is uh Probably a big, big topic of discussion, uh, keeping people healthy and happy and trained and, and compensated and, and, uh, given some time to do things that, uh, help them grow, but don't burn them out. So how, how do you view uh, this whole picture? Uh, thank you once again. Uh, let me start from this. Um, we're getting better. It's better compared to the way it was some 10 years back because of the way higher education responded, I mean, to, to, to the training uh, in cybersecurity. In most of the um, security operation center today, you see people coming to, um, at, with entry level, at least with uh, associate degree plus two certification or one certification, which tells us that they already have um, some basic training and uh, on the role, particularly in the area of technology and being able to deal with people because cybersecurity is about teamwork and leadership. And part of the problem that makes people burn out is about poor leadership. If you, and it's one of the major problems the um, organization, most organizations face. 
I read uh, a poll, uh, kind of uh, published by one security automation platform, you know, which poll about uh, 468 SOC analysts in a, a kind of organization that has about 500 more employees. And they, when they talk about their burnout, I mean, it was a result of uh, bad leadership, not giving them adequate training, you know, where leaders refuse to provide necessary support, like training for them to be able to complete projects, uh, ignoring their emotions and fears of relating to changes. So the part, part of uh, managers and analysts we used to have in the past are those who are trained to speak to machine alone. They don't have people skill. They don't have uh, team skill where they will be able to work together. Security operations center is like a football team. Right, I mean, not like Marco, but Marco must be there for me at every point in time. I mean, to um, uh, defend. I mean, to be able to do what necessary to uh, n that it needs to do for us to be to keep the uh, organization moving on. So, if one person is lagging behind, it's going to affect the entire team. And we've seen that happening today because of the kind of training, basic training, the way the higher education has responded to that, giving people all this kind of training. Another thing comes about issue of compensation. Well, we know that uh, um, the short in ed can't, but notwithstanding a lot of organizations are not giving the kind of compensation, uh, which of course they're supposed to give uh, to us, particularly experienced analysts. If you look at, talk, I mean, look at the, the rate of retention, I, um, I don't know if Yolanda keep track of that, at least in SOG, minimum two years, analysts have moved to another place. And if you look at the motivation, it's because they are not properly compensated as compared to the kind of job, I mean, they are doing. 24 hours we have to, machine must be running seven days in a week and uh, uh, 12 hours shift and all kind of a thing. So the issue of compensation is another issue entirely. And uh, for uh, big organizations, they've overcome that. And also some organizations are losing skill and talent as a result of not being able to give a kind of compensation they are supposed to get, give the analysts. So I, I appreciate that, Sunday. A lot of things in there for uh, people to unpack and absorb. And I want to, I know we're coming close to the end here. But and I, I sorry wanna... for that. Oh, let, yeah, me let, let me remind us that this uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and this is coming, uh, Andy, I mean, uh, because the focus of this year, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, is focused on people. I mean, part of cybersecurity, which, of course, we are talking about today. I mean, see yourself in cyber. So, um, it boils down on people and process, not just only technology. When people, uh, um, we do our due diligence, identify right people, give them right training, compensate them, and add process in place, yes, technology will not fail and people will not get compromised. That's just the addendum. And you, you, you teed it up well for me there Sunday, because I want to talk about the importance of community, right? So, um, I, SOC Analyst Appreciation Day for me is a chance to bring the analyst community together and recognize the work that they do and recognize the people that have uh, have risen to the to the challenge and, and shared their stories and to celebrate those of you like uh, this panel here that come together to talk about the importance of supporting the role. So I don't know if, uh, I don't think we have a, a lot of time to go full round, but if anybody's passionate about community and the importance of community for an analyst role, Yolanda? <laughs> No, I, I'm glad that is a topic. Um, when when I ran my floors, why did the people come to work? It was the community, right? It was it was stressful in so many different ways, but creating that community is is 
is important. And then we we did do the whole teamwork and we celebrated as a team. We, we went off shift together as a team. We came on as a team and we were invited to everybody's wedding. It, we we made a community and um, and that community stretched down to my daughter, which was interesting. Like we had team numbers and mine was team two. And my daughter would run around like team two, team two, and wear my team two shirt. That community matters, and um, and the family supported um, the stock analysts when we did have it. So it, it makes a difference. It sure does. And I, I'm thinking just to wrap this. We had a conversation not too long ago with uh, Stacy Thayer. She is a PhD in psychology of organizations. She spoke at Black Hat this year about burnout. And one thing that stuck with me, and maybe you guys can comment on this, because uh, Sunday actually went there with the with the football team. And me being Italian, I understand that quite well. But it works for every team. And one of the things that Stacey was pointing out was the fact that when you're doing a job and you don't see why you're doing this job, you don't see why you are performing this specific task, and there is a final goal. And the final goal is to support the, the entire organization and you're part of something bigger than yourself. That's a big, a big moment of, uh, of how your brain can get energy from what you do and i don't know it's very psycho psychological but it's also i think it connects with a lot of the points that you brought out there is this conversation and it's also one of the reasons why we're having this day and i hope it's going to keep coming back because sean community is important but we cannot use the community as an excuse to say well let the community take care of it i think the business has to step in with this well, that's what Sunday was saying, and then maybe Leanne yeah. or or uh, JJ has some thoughts on this. But the leadership, right? Yeah. It, it starts there. Leanne, it does. It's about culture, it, you know, and it's for any profession that you have. Not, to, but more specifically, when we think of the sock and we think of the, um, you know, the pressure and the pressure to deliver, the pressure, you know, that you are under to not miss anything and fault, you know, every step, I think it comes down to the culture that you're building within that organization, the leadership, um, you know, just everything to support your team as a whole. So trying to keep it short, but it absolutely comes down to that individual leadership. And JJ, in the spirit of hybrid, uh, is that a hybrid culture? I think you could definitely have a culture that is positive in, in a hybrid working model. Um, I think it's something that the managers are responsible for driving and leadership are accountable for ensuring that that positive culture is instilled within everyone that's responsible. I think it's not just a, a security issue, it's an organisational wide issue that the, the culture is driven by essentially the, the senior management and the board if, if they have a positive outlook the people below them are going to have a positive outlook and it snowballs down to that analyst level and if, if the organization has that culture then people are going to be able to benefit from that and that's going to be a better work-life balance i love it a hybrid uh, hybrid view of outlook and outcomes uh perhaps the the collaboration and the and the connections and and the teamwork across inside and outside uh, the physical sock within the company uh, can help. And 
Marco, a great conversation today. Um, an important conversation, an important day. And uh, hopefully you get invited back next year for uh, the third annual Sock Analyst Appreciation Day, hosted by our good friends uh, by Devo and supported by many in the industry. And, and as uh, I always say, there is one day, but we need to think about this all <laughs> year long. So let's not let's not slack on that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, you. everybody. I know there is uh, more coming up, so stay tuned, everybody, because uh, the day is not over yet, and this event still has some surprise and great conversation. That's right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Londa, Leanne, JJ, Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our on location conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.